Briggs. It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> this is Joe Bob Briggs. This is Jeffrey Combs. Hey, this is Scotty from Anthrax. Hi, you're listening to Adrienne Barbeau. Hi, this is Doc Bradley. You're listening to Quality Time. You're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Broadcast. And you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Podcast. I'm saying this under duress. You better keep listening or I will tear your soul apart. Frank Zappa dap documentary that was produced yeah. by his son Dweezil, I think. But it was from like, it was mostly all the tapes that he had made over his life um, and found footage and stuff. And it was really fun. Uh, you know, I was never, I'm never really a huge Frank Zappa music fan, okay? Mostly. No, his music wasn't that great. He just like he he makes music the same way you do, which is as a weapon to harass people constantly. Um, he no, just, he, he he just he just thought his music was the coolest shit because he had cool black players on his band and everything. But it wasn't great. It wasn't great music. Mm-hmm. It was just you know ahead of its time. It was kind of cool, but it wasn't like you know really rocking so well he's just because he's a music he's a big nerd is why and he he just likes to he's more of a a composer anyway i'm getting i'm not i'm I, I, i'm missing the point of what i want to talk about about no, you, you know i did the song you know i did the song in a pentaton pentatonic scale like yeah what do you fucking do wow. why don't you make it fucking so people want to hear it yeah why 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 do you why do you go against all of convention to the point where it sucks finally um but there was like you like you 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 are just a fish concert. I you have to be high to listen to your shit. I and the thing is, he was straight arrow too. That's the worst part is that he didn't do drugs or anything, and it was like, uh, and he hated people that did. So I was like, God, it just made him. It made it even worse. It was like, it, you mean you're not on drugs while you do this? This is the God. You're doing this sober, and this is what it's you like want to com- do. It's like a comedian that talks about drugs all the time in their set, and then you offer them weed after, and they're like, no, I've got asthma. <laughs> but the the worst part is that the the thing that really turned me off to him on, on, during the documentary, as, as great as he, he was on, like, uh, uh, him as a speaker, I really enjoy talking to, and his, his takes on MTV and stuff like that, great. But when... When he said that he was the he was the real driving force between Yoko and uh, John Lennon getting together and doing music, <laughs> and how he was really hey, how he really loved Yoko's takes on music, I was like, God damn you, Frank Zappa! What have you done? What have you done? I'd be a little more impressed had he also set up Woody Allen and uh... <laughs> <laughs> a twelve-year-old, so yeah. his own daughter, so. Yeah. <laughs> It was a driving force between the pedophile relationships between father and daughters. So. You set up so many good relations. By the way, 
By the way, uh, Dweezil, Dweezil Zappa's guitar collection is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And every time he breaks out another guitar, he's got that shit-eating grin on his face like, look at this shit. And it's so fucking awesome. Every Almost every guitar he has is so amazing. He's basically the Tony Stark, though, of, of guitar ownership. Like, his dad did all this cool stuff, and he just inherited it. You know Damn. what I mean? <laughs> He's not the one Don't to lay it on. Like yeah, but he can play his ass off, too. That's more of a Batman thing, though, right? Tony's got skills. Batman just has all the money and is like, I'm just going to dress up and fight crime. I like, uh, yeah, well, Batman, fuck Batman. You know, Batman just wins because he has the best writers. And that's really the truth of everything. <coughs> okay, getting into how we really feel. I get it. No, I like Batman. I don't know. Just, I only hey. like the Tobey Maguire Batman anyway. Clooney nipples. <laughs> I don't know. Are yeah. we are we ready to hop into it? Welcome to quality time, everybody. Nipples and everything. My name's Eric Woodworth. <laughs> I'm your host, and uh, I'm joined by my blood, my brother, Mr. Jeremy P. Woodworth. Jeremy, how are you, sir? I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, who are we talking about? I'm sorry, Jeremy. It's me, Tom Noonan. Oh, it's Tom Noonan from Eight-Legged Freaks here on the show again, making his third or fourth appearance. Yeah, it's, uh, I also want you to see some pictures of, of, of angels. Look at look at this picture. Look at that. Isn't it amazing? Uh, oh, from the great movie Manhunter, which we've done on a past episode. Did you also want to do some nuke with me? I do want to do nuke with you. That is true. It's an amazing drug. I love it. <laughs> Tom Noonan, I, would, I wish I could be a robot controlled by Nuke. Tom Noonan's acting chops sound like every one of his characters uh, plays as if he just read Scientology for the first day. And he's really <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like every time he speaks, he's like, "Have I? You're not going to believe what I just read in this book. Um, apparently, uh, you're holding on to bad energies called, uh, uh, and you need to get you need to get to zero and." Uh, Anyway, uh, LRH is, uh, anyway, I, you know, I'm just really excited to be here. Anyway, let me tell you about our other co-host who is waiting in the wings as I'm trying to riff out a bad Tom Noonan sketch. Uh, give it up for the very lovely, the very talented Miss Ashley Pontius. Ashley, how are you, love? I'm good, Daddy. So, what's, it, what's it like actually doing stand-up comedy and trying to keep a career? Are you asking me or, or Both Ashley? Both of you. What Both is of it? you have names and actually perform regularly, so... Oh, okay. Uh, well, I'll, um, I, I defer. Uh, well, so I had five shows this weekend at Magoobie's Joke House. And let's see, five shows. Um, I'm not good with percentages, but definitely less than 50% of them were great. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know, um, you, you know, you know, what's holding my, uh, my entire, um, what's the word? Um, my entire, um, dermis. My entire, my thermos, my thermos, yeah. that's what's holding my thermos together, is the fact that Rob and Joe said that I am the cornerstone of their show now. It is Aww. true. You are, you are, you do spend time uh, getting the shout outs there. So that's, that's really I, awesome. I, I am trying to whore myself as much as humanly possible. Me too, I, 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 I am just like on, on Dundalk Avenue, just like car by car, blowing people as they drive by, so... Like you might actually see me. Don't take my corner. <laughs> Ash- it's like I'm not a squeegee boy. I'm a blow boy. So. <laughs> <You're a> blow boy. <laughs> no. 
That's what we were talking about when uh, Chet Hanks was talking about White Boy Summer. It's actually Blow Boy Summer, and that's where me and Jeremy, <laughs> me and Jeremy stand out on uh, Pulaski Highway giving out blowies for the low low. Uh, I don't know why I have this image of you guys like starting your own business, and it's kind of like Big Boy, and it's just one of you holding up a platter of dicks, and you're just like, come drive through, and you just drive through and get your dick sucked, and then you just <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. In well, and out burger. <laughs> our special is platters of dicks. Platters, yeah. Me and the one, Me and my brother have invented uh, the uh, the drive by glory hole. It's revolutionizing the business. Yeah, but would you like would you like <laughs> would you like white meat or dark meat? <laughs> would you, you like size? <laughs> Yeah, you know, the amazing thing is paying off these funeral homes for all their extra dicks that we can buy. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of extra... Not... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Eric. I was sorry. saying, speaking of rather large dicks, have you guys watched the season two of Love, Death, and Robots yet? No. Oh, man. No. Or maybe you guys aren't into uh, Love, Death, and the Robots, uh, for any of our listeners that haven't watched it, uh, they are uh, sh- short cartoons that are generally computer animated uh, that involve love, death, and robots. It's on Netflix, and it's an anthology series. Most of the shorts are usually anywhere between 8 minutes and 18 minutes long. Uh, season 2 just came out, so they had another 8 cartoons that came out, and boy, oh boy, one of them is a story about a giant man who washes on shore and he's just fully naked and he kind of looks like it's like I'm supposed to be like a beached whale but it's a fully like gigantic human and they just treat him like a beached whale would they jump on him and do stuff and then they tell him what happens to his body and his dick ends up being in a circus sideshow where it's just in a big like vat of green like brine and like you have to open it up there and it's just some guy who just like come see the world's largest penis and he just he's just a guy smoking a cigar that pays you know you pay two dollars to see the world's biggest dick and uh it's very it's a very fun show eric look i i already saw the pictures from you and jeremy's family vacation to ocean city last year i don't really need you to watch have it on you Netflix. have you seen it on the big screen or in vr though no, uh, no i do not want to watch that in vr god don't there you go jeremy you can bank on that people can be like oh my god it's like his flakes are literally falling on me no, but seriously, though, to anybody who's listening or to either of you, since you haven't watched it yet, Love, Death, and Robots fucking rules. It's a nice hour and a half of season one and a nice 45 minutes of season two that is uh, worth killing some time with. I'm telling you. By, Good stuff. by the way, God bless my wife for cutting off the last uh, very large um, <laughs> section of my soul that was very, very clingy. And, and when she chopped it, it was... A good six to eight square inches of skin. So you you mean your soul? You mean the soul of your foot? As you've been now, just to take our <laughs> listeners, because you 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 jump into a story, and uh, so you've been you've been sick, right? Recapping what happened last episode, you you've recovered from COVID. You got sunburned also during I COVID. I actually died. That and then you've you your entire body peeled and exfoliated, much like a, a, a snake shedding its skin, and you let off like a, a, a quilt's worth of skin off of your body. Is that correct? Do you not call and, it a quilt. <laughs> and, and by the way, when you say shed my skin, that always reminds me of the Peter Gabriel song, so. Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. Shed my skin. Yeah. Okay. 
Peter Gabriel, but, one of the greatest drummers slash front uh, front man of any the, band. The, one of the greatest front men to look like to dress like a flower live. Yeah, um, but but no, it it, it it was really really clingy and it was really awful to to stand on. My st- skin hasn't really covered now because I feel like just soft and and I don't have any calluses to even play guitar anymore. Oh, you're like a newborn baby. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, is is your skin? Are you fresh and new underneath there now? Or are you still all psoriasis up? Yeah, it feels horrible. It feels horrible. No, I still I still got a little bit of psoriasis. I got to kill, and I've been been sitting out in the sun a little bit this week. So, but it, really, I am the replacement Jeremy. So you can call me new Jeremy or whatever. Your new I Jeremy. Have... Okay. No, I, sorry, I have an idea. Have you ever seen like on farms they have like the livestock brushes? You know, where like a a cow can go through and they've got these big bristles that they can rub up i see we we take jeremy in the dead of night to a farm we take him to the barn and we just put him in one of those and just abrasively peel off everything that's left i think we we should do it and just see that fucking the the three inches of snow that are left behind no i don't have anything thick anymore it's all thin it's all very very flaky buff you out though it'll it'll buff down your edges or we could take some sandpaper and just rub out the edges get you nice and uniform and all yeah we get you some rubbing some sand i'll be good next we get you some fucking roids and you'll be all good man you'll be a new man get your heart to explode hell yeah yeah anyway uh so jeremy you you now that you're the new jeremy you've survived covid you died of covid you've been reborn you've been making some new music now yeah. So yeah, this is this is pretty much my uh, my Paul McCartney, um, um, you know, uh, a confession. So okay. So without further ado, uh, here's Jeremy's confession, his Paul McCartney esque song. Jeremy died of COVID. He was 150 pounds overweight. And he liked to drink like a fish. He would like to be remembered. All the crazy, funny songs he did. But we also have to remember. What a bastard racist he was Jeremy died of COVID So let's say oh yeah That bastard dead You know he liked to kill kittens in rivers Jerry died of COVID. COVID He was a fat bastard and he was lazy, a piece of shit. So let's say, let's have a chorus for him and say, oh yeah. Die, die, die.
Wow, Jeremy, powerful stuff. I loved it. That made me sad. New, <laughs> new Jeremy. The, world, the you, world is much better off without him. I like it. This is Jeremy reborn, ten times more nude, and I like ten it. times more racist. And ten times more racist. <laughs> And he liked to kill kittens in rivers. So that is good. Well, congrats, Jeremy. I think maybe the Robin Joe show was correct when they said that this was going to spark your next uh, your next age of musical excellence. And I think you've already embarked upon that path. I think I just write songs for Robbie now. That's so. it. That's it. You're you know what you got to do. You got to sound a little bit more Don Henley. He's a big oh, Don. He's a big Don. Don Henley. He loves Don Henley. Let me tell you. Oh. Should I just do songs where Don Henley sounds so boring you want to change the channel? Yeah, yeah, you know, the kind of music that you fuck with your underwear on. That's what Robbie Robinson's into. And now another Don Henley song about farming. Farming is dead in America. I'm Don Henley. (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry, are we talking about Don Henley or are we talking about John Cougar Mellencamp? (laughs) That is true. I knew and, when, and when they get together with Willie Nelson, they touch fists, and one turns into a bucket of water, another turns into an eagle, another one turns into an ice bridge. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke for you, but I still got it, and I enjoyed it. And one uh, turns into a monkey, I'm sorry. So. I did... Uh... I did know a uh, my my high school crush. My high school crush was this uh, this girl named Katie, and she was uh, she was a, a gorgeous young lass. And uh, uh, her only downfall, right? This is the thing that the thing that was like it was a no go for me. Not just because she wouldn't date me, but also this <laughs> um, was the fact that her favorite band and musician was John Cougar Mellencamp. And I was like, you are, you're, you're, it's 16 years old. This is ridiculous. Grow up. Okay. Uh, Your favorite song is from the Robin Hood soundtrack and you need to relax. Okay. (laughs) By the way, by the way, there's a, there's a home improvement show with this big freaking bearded ginormous guy with his little uh, blonde wife where they rehab houses and it's called small town. And, and of course they're doing like a whole thing where they're doing an entire small town now. Oh, hometown get... takeover. Yeah. Hometown takeover. I thought, why did I say, think there was small town. The only reason I know it is I saw an advertisement in my HGTV magazine yesterday. <laughs> but, but either way, the fact that they they're doing a small town but they can't afford to get John Cougar Mellencamp, so instead they get Cheryl Crow. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, Cheryl Crow's not bad, but I would say, what, probably the next um, the next best thing next to Cougar Mellencamp is probably Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got got those home, those hometown, those, those homegrown roots types of music, you know, that everyone can relate to, especially if you're white and born in Minnesota. Hey, you know it's me. I'm driving. You cut out a little street, early there, darling. And I was. Uh, I think you cut off your last your last section. I heard it. That was fine. Okay. Oh, I can't tell. Yeah. So, okay. so, I like a Bruce. So Springs. of course. So of course, I think she she performed one of her songs for the town, but I think she should have performed. I put your picture away. So for there the town. Go. 
I put your town picture away. It you all looked real gay. <laughs> again, I'm still advocating for Bruce Springsteen, or again, Cougar Melon Camp, because one of my favorite songs to sing on the way back to my hometown is "I Was Born in a Sundown Town." <laughs> Uh, better not be colored in the sundown town. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's now that's scary. Let me tell you. Don't tell Jordan Peele; it'll be the plot of his next movie <laughs> by the end of the day. So that is that is my favorite. One of my favorite songs of his. Like I was born to hate blacks in a small town. <laughs> Did you, have you guys ever seen Little that uh, SNL skit of Neil Diamond where uh, he's uh, it's Will Ferrell as Neil Diamond's storytellers? And uh, it's probably one of the funniest fucking Will Ferrell bits ever. He's uh, so he's playing Neil Diamond and it's like VH1 storytellers where it's like they play a song and then he t- gives you the background behind it. And he, he tells like a little story behind each song. And he starts out with the first one and he was just like uh, um, he's like. I wrote this song when I was riding with my with my black keyboard player across the country, and he's like, "Yep, yep." And he's just like, "Well, on the way we left Vegas, we uh, we hit a drifter and killed him on the side of the road." And, uh, <laughs> well, we just left him there, and then he's just like, he's just like, and then I came up with this song, "Sweet Caroline." <laughs> bah, bah, bah. Good times never felt so good, <laughs> and then uh, it goes. Uh, it finally gets to the, uh, to like, uh, he goes on to the next one and he goes, uh, he was just like, well, one thing they haven't known about me is my intense hatred for all nationalities that aren't American. <laughs> and, and, then, oh my, and my hatred of immigrants. And my hatred of immigrants. <laughs> made, let me write, write this song. And he's just like, on the boats and on the planes, they're coming to America. And then he goes, <laughs> Tim Meadows is playing the keyboard along with him, and he's just like, he changes the lyrics, so he's like, you hate your keyboard player because he's black. You never had the heart to tell him so. And he's like, hey, man, watch it. What are you trying to God, it's one of the fucking most hilarious, you know. SNL just never, it'll never be the same. It'll never be the same. Good times. He's my favorite, um, my favorite Avenger. Who? Will Ferrell? No, Tim Meadows. Who's Tim Meadows? He's a war machine. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's my favorite Avenger. I, I hate you so no, much. he's he's no 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 so he's <laughs> he's <laughs> he's love machine. I am the ladies man. Hey, it's me. The ladies the man, war machine. It's me, the ladies man. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I just I'm why mad. is this metal penis so huge? I've never, uh, I've never, we never got to see the realization of seeing the ladies' man and undercover brother in a single movie, and I think that's a travesty oh. that we missed out on. Uh, to be honest oh, with you, so anyway, um, you now, Ashley, you said that you had uh, a half good shows and half bad shows because I got a good, I got message from you that said uh, somebody said that they didn't, they couldn't believe I was even hosting tonight because you were so good. Oh. Yes, only I was. No, it was uh, my seven o'clock yesterday show. We well, like, hold on. Be- before you get too far into that, I want to hear about that. But can you tell me, 
give me the highest high of that weekend compared to the lowest low of the worst show. And let's compare to see, compare and contrast that. Sure. They were all in the same day. So, <laughs> so yesterday at the seven o'clock, we almost sold out or we didn't sell out. Unbelievable audience. Like, absolutely phenomenal feedback and people wanted their picture with me and a lady came up to me and she's like I can't believe you're only hosting she's like why are you not like a feature and I was like dreams so great it was a great show like no complaints the nine o'clock uh I'm sorry 9 30 show rolls around a little bit smaller audience but like not bad size you know even compared to what we had earlier um they did not like me um, <laughs> I I heard audible gasps and a lot of and a lot of oh no baby that that was tough um and to make it even better then we had a lady <laughs> come out and hand in her comment card before the show was over and this was not about me but it did make it funny it just said no more Jew jokes no more Jew jokes <laughs> and then the headliner has no idea that she's done this okay and that was mostly about the feature who is in fact jewish uh, uh, <laughs> and oh because he was jewish not because they were Jew jokes so well, no, no, but I mean, he's Jewish making the Jew jokes, but I don't know if she even put that together, but she was upset. So while she hands in that comment card, the headliner has no idea that's what she's doing or that's what she's done. The minute she's done handing in the card, she sits down and you just hear the headliner <laughs> make fun of Orthodox Jews. It's <laughs> so funny. Holy She's so Sorry. mad and she yells out during <laughs> she sits down and she goes, No, no more jokes. I can't <laughs> It was phenomenal. And he goes, Oh no, you don't like that? I've got some more. Man, the one that really got me, Danny Polichuk. Shout out uh to the feature this weekend, Danny Polichuk. He told a joke that made me laugh all five shows this weekend he talked about his grandma having a tattoo from Auschwitz but it was on her lower back (laughs) and he calls it her camp stamp (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) every time every single time oh man and just to piss off that lady at the very last show because I was like well nobody likes me anyways I might as well do it so I got up (laughs) after the headliner and i was like you should see my only fans it's called torah up from the flora up thank you <laughs> oh you know the word you know the worst thing about the camp stamp is don't you what's that no it's when they line up all the females and just shoot them through their camp stamps from oh. one bullet just to save bullets that's sad that's you went I too know. far you went <laughs> too far that was the worst part of Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> what is? I have to be honest. It is very wild. I need to start doing a drinking game for every time one of you brings up Schindler's List. It's an important just, film. Yeah. It's an important film that everyone should watch. Look, um, I I watch it every weekend, but I watch it always synced up with uh with Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, you've never watched Dark Side of Schindler's List and that part yeah. where. You it's know, the only a they... dark side air. 
the the part where the guy is uh, about to shoot the guy in the head, but the gun jams and then money starts playing, like it sinks up perfectly. It's really good. Um, you also you also have to adjust your TV so that everybody looks like midgets with horizontal controls. So. That makes sense. That makes sense. I also know that this podcast has had an unfortunate effect on me. Because anytime I've seen little people, my first thought is, oh, my God, look at one of those. I got to tell Jeremy. Yeah. And that makes <laughs> it is true. I do feel I need to document every little person that I see and uh, do my due diligence. Did I ever tell you this story, Ashley? This is an early story that came out in the pod years ago. But uh, I feel like we can rehash it here. Uh, I used to live in Salisbury, Maryland, and... Uh, um, you know, as part of going to a university where equality is important and uh, stuff like that, uh, the dorms that I was staying in, uh, we actually had a little person that lived in the dorms there. And the overcorrection to to help this person out, um, I thought was very funny because every single door on in our building and in the complex, because she was so short, got a second peephole so that you could look through your door to see if it was the one (laughs) that was knocking on your door. (laughs) So I just thought it was always very funny that there's all these peepholes at dick level uh, just for for the one little person that lived there. So that was very funny. All the the time there was knocking at the door and you look through the people and there's nobody there and you're like who the fuck he's knocking on the fucking door and they were like look at look through the little one jackass and then <laughs> i'm like oh it's sharon there you are get your big ass forehead in here and then <laughs> am i a, 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 am i the first one who just realized that tawny katane is dead no, as a matter of fact, I think their family probably noticed it in the news media before you. But yeah, Tawny Katan did die this uh, last week. I met I met her two years ago. Oh shit! Maybe yeah. Maybe you're a maybe you're the curse because you know who else you met? You met Roddy Piper, and you also met Bill Paxton. I mean, these are all people who have also. No, died. I never met Bill Paxton. I wish I Wilford did. Wilford Brimley. You met Wilford I did Brimley. Meet Wilford Brimley. I'm trying to think of the latest. Uh, I guess the latest um, celebrity that died was probably Dick Miller that I met, but he was old as dirt. Yeah, that's fair. You know, technically, everybody that you meet in your life will probably die. You're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I have to keep meeting people? If I don't meet them, then they'll live. (laughs) Sorry. I just, just, the spirit took me, and I was like, you need to say this. I like how bad. I really want to meet. I really want to meet Joe Biden. <laughs> All right. So uh, speaking of comedy shows and uh, stuff of that nature, uh, I, I actually attended my first virtual comedy show last night. I got the what Oculus. In your face. What? <laughs> I did. I, it's, it's still setting in. I, I, I got I got I went to my first virtual comedy show. Uh, Tommy Simbazo hooked me in and uh I got to admit, virtual comedy, it actually kind of works. It's really actually kind of fun to watch. And here's the thing about virtual comedy that's really fun. You make your avatar. You go to a place that looks like a club. There is a guy who's an avatar that's performing and moving his hands and doing stuff like that. Comedians are actually pretty good. Uh, I heard this one comic do a fucking 
great joke because you know your avatars can be any color or anything that you want them to be and it's uh this guy was it's clearly a black guy with dreads who's up there and he's going uh he's just like it's funny to be out here in the virtual world because he's like i know there's some colored folk out here but y'all motherfuckers didn't even choose black you're like fuck it i'll just be blue shit was so funny to me he was just like, like i get it's tough to be black but you could at least just represent in the virtual world you motherfuckers like that <laughs> so that was a good ass bit but th- the thing that's probably most fun about a virtual comedy show is that you have the ability to like unmute yourself so you they can hear laughter or you can just like emote things like and little like laughter bubbles will come up off of you but me tommy and brian were all in a private chat and all we could do is just sit there and do shoot the shit while we could also still hear the comedy show and go oh that was a pretty good joke and just be completely rude and not listen to it the entire time which is what comics do we don't actually listen to your set we just want to shoot the shit in the back and then go hey he's doing pretty good oh oh he's doing really bad or yeah you know what i mean and that is kind of a beautiful thing also brian preston's um uh avatar uh looks a lot like the the white guy who played the indian guy from uh short circuit so uh which was very very funny he looks like he created johnny five so uh (laughs) shout outs to brian preston whenever you run across his avatar in the uh, in the VR world, but yeah, VR comedy shows—that's where it's at. I think uh, I think it could be a new future of comedy, and uh, I'm trying to break my way into it sometime soon. That's so. pretty cool. I hope that works out, Eric. Yeah, we talked about that earlier today. I might I might at some point invest in that type of technology. I've been struggling because I've I've been trying to get my like my shows off the ground, and I haven't really been able to to share it with people yet but i've been working on um vd comedy it's only people who have venereal diseases yeah <laughs> see it's, well, the first thing that when you said virtual comedy the first thing that comes to mind is tom myers that it's virtually comedy yeah it's almost actually funny <laughs> so I like I like that uh, if you start VD comedy, you're like, all right, everybody, give me the clap. I mean, a round of applause, a round of applause. <laughs> so, I'm I'm still working on it. I just I haven't really been able to find a lot of people, but I think once I spend some time with them, they're all gonna start having VD. So. Hell yeah. I- I think you should force everybody to only be able to see it through a virtual boy Nintendo as well. Ah. Uh, hey, guys, before we get into our movie, can I tell one more last quick story? I know we're kind of running a little long here in the intro. Who cares about this movie? Let's just fucking talk about bullshit. Fucking bullshit fuck it movie. all day. I actually, Except for Scarlett Johansson. Um, so uh, last week I did Comedy Mania, uh, which was very exciting. Ashley got to attend. Um, it was great. Ashley, uh, I'll ask for your thoughts about it, but let me give you just a little inside scoop on what happened, okay? So um, going back one year before this, me and the great Justin Schlegel locked horns where I was embarrassed in front of a crowd of people on that CZW ring up in Havre de Grace, Maryland, as he super kicked his way and stone cold stunned and suplexed me into oblivion. Well, this year, I got to confront him again, and I came out, and it was a two-on-one situation. I thought it was going to be bad. I was expecting it to be two-on-one, 
as Stefan Subanich and the great Justin Schlegel were about to face off with me. Then Justin called out the big guns, MCW Zone, Marion, Maryland Championship Wrestling's former champion, Ryan McBride. The king himself shows up on the scene, comes out to Led Zeppelin, and now I'm in a three-on-one situation against an actual pro, and I am I'm fucking shaking in my boots right now. But little did he know. Little did that sweet bastard know. I Venmoed that motherfucker $7 before the show <laughs> and the next thing you know seven dollars buys you a super kick to stefan subotich's face which he displayed before everyone and then he went on to uh chop justin schlegel across the chest and then give him one of the most devastating death valley drivers i've ever seen in person uh and then uh uh your boy laid a stone cold stunner of his own on the great justin schlegel now uh leaving me to be comedy mania's champion for this year now uh where do we go from here? Um, me and Justin kind of love professional wrestling to the point where uh, it's probably a problem for both of our lives as 40-year-old men who are into this sort of thing. I can almost hear fucking Ashley's pussy getting drier as I speak about it. But uh, I, Comedy Mania 3 is a year away. And I promise you there's going to be another altercation between me and Justin and possibly two other MCW uh, professional wrestlers in a tag team match. And all I can say to you is that we have grown this from year to year and next year is no exception. I know this is a teaser for a show that is 12 months away, but mark my words, you are going to want to be there because there's going to be tables, there's going to be chairs, and there might be a ladder involved, and there might be a very large body man who weighs 268 pounds right now. Shout out to Eric Woodworth. I lost a lot of weight. That plummets from a high distance through a table. That's all I'm going to say to you. I leave you with that. But I loved it. It was great. Ashley, what was your takeaways from Comedy Mania? Oh, um, I had a great time. I spent most of my evening with Rose Vineshank, who did a great job. Shout out to Rose. Love spending time with her. Um, yes, Eric. Eric was was the champion. I'm excited for next year when we grease him up like a pig and Justin tries to catch him. Uh, <laughs> no, it, <laughs> it, was, it was no. Eric did a great job. It was fun watching people get get the shit kicked out of them. Poor Justin, though. My God, his um his chest after it was over, I was like, why oh, are you God. so red? And he was like, oh, it's the hypertension. I was like, God, you guys are getting so old. I can't believe I look at y'all as fuckable. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> real gross. Real I'm just gross. like, God, look at that body. It don't quit. And then he's like, I got to take my blood pressure meds. I'm like, God damn it. Like, he does. If you look at Justin's bag, there is a literal pharmacy of pills that go through that guy's system every single day. Some of them illicit, some of them prescribed, but all of them keeping that fucking well oiled machine running so 
but but barely it's like they jerry-rigged his car <laughs> like it's still on the road somehow oh yeah i feel like he's one missed pill away from like literally blowing like a fucking gasket in his neck and blood <laughs> just starts squirting out like fist of the north star at any second yeah i could see that happening but if you compare Eric to a car, Eric is kind of like when you're driving through a rural area, like where I live near the farms, and you see that someone has fused two cars together that don't really go together. <laughs> They're like, you see like a pickup on a sports car, and you're like, that doesn't go together. Yeah, why is why is that Dodge Charger have a Fiat in the back? Uh, it makes no sense at all. Yeah, you're like. <laughs> You're like, what What Hispanic person took a blowtorch to fuse these two bad boys? <laughs> and that's the... In, you know how they have, like, kit cars, and it's like, oh, wow, that's a really badass Subaru. Oh, no, it's actually a Fiat underneath it, though. Damn Disgusting. it. Um, hold on. Hey. What? Welcome I'm back kidding. to the we aren't that bad. Welcome back to the Thousand Pound Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Woodworth. I paused the show for a brief second. I'm back now as my co hosts have decided to fat shame me into losing more weight, and I appreciate that about both of you, you fucking twats. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh God. Damn it. Can we, Jeremy, can we mute him on our end? Can we? No, that's the problem with power and when you're full of it. Um, <laughs> holy oh, shit. Oh. I can already tell you right now that we are not going to have any new listeners this week. No, <laughs> the not, minute they hear you horking, not, like, I'm good. Not a single one of us is going to get anything out of this ever. Um, but are we ready for tonight's movie? Yeah. Oh, I'm excited about this one. I can tell Jeremy is not excited about this one. This is a pick by Ashley. Uh, Eight-Legged Freaks from 2002. Uh, which I personally enjoy the hell out of this movie. It's a fun 2002 film uh, directed by Elroy Elkham, uh, which uh, I couldn't tell you too many more of his movies, except that he's directed two of the later uh, Return of the Living Dead sequels. Uh, oh, interesting. Re- Return of the Living Dead Necropolis, as well as uh, I think it's... Yes, Necropolis and Rave to Grave. So he's uh, he's directed two of the... Uh, and uh, I've seen a little bit of uh, ne- Return of the Living Dead Necropolis. Uh, let me just tell you, fits in line right with the rest of the movies. It, 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 ridiculous plot lines, over-the-top gore, very much on board. But he's a uh, New Zealand um, film director um, who actually got the money and grant to make his first film, which was called Larger Than Life, which was about, oddly enough, mutant spiders that uh, harass a woman for 11 minutes in a in a movie. And uh, that um, short that he did uh, 
prompted this uh, to get funded in the states to how we got eight-legged freaks. So um, thank you to the New Zealand government and their funding of uh, film and project that uh, we we get to thank New Zealand for not only the Lord of the Rings and Peter Jackson, uh, but also this wonderful piece of art right here so i'm surprised you didn't mention nate um without a paddle nature's calling yes he did do without a bo- without a paddle nature's calling as well which doesn't have the funny american stars like the original so no no yes it is a straight to videos <laughs> it is a straight to video dvd release uh without a paddle nature's calling a sequel or a prequel i'm not really sure if it's part of the official uh without a paddle universe but uh can, i haven't can, seen it i couldn't tell you can i mention my new favorite sequel yes you can actually it's waiting again the the sequel to waiting the the, the restaurant movie where they have to um deal with the the, the hooters next door right but, right. It, but it still has Ketchner in it and and Luis still, Guzman, who I think carries about a quarter of the film as well. So, so. you'd still have Luis Guzman, and you'd still have uh, David Koechner, but you you don't need a Ryan Reynolds to carry this film. No, the... fuck him. Who the fuck is he? Is he <laughs> has he done any movies lately? Fuck him. He's a shit. So no, it's all about Guzman, and and of course the uh, the crazy bitch with the fun with the giant pubes. So yeah, that is true. She does have crazy pubes, and this and the stupid the stupid little fat kid who raps. So uh, oh, Andy Milanakis. Yeah. <laughs> now this uh this movie does have uh, a lot of ties to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in particular, uh, starting with actress Carrie Werner. Uh, she plays Ser- Sheriff uh, Sam Parker. She's voiced multiple uh, roles in the uh, uh, Marvel World's animated shorts and stuff like that. There's also Scott Tara, who plays Mike Parker, the little nerdy kid in this. He actually played young Daredevil in the uh, Ben Affleck version of the Daredevil movie. And then, of course, there's Scarlett Johansson, who plays Ashley Parker, who is, of course... Marvel Cinematic Universe's own Black Widow, um, but and also in a movie about spiders, where she would later be in a movie with the Spider-Man in Captain America: Civil War. There you go. Took you a full circle there with Marvel and that tie to this film. Uh, there's also great uh, little cameo roles by uh, Tom Noonan, who uh, we mentioned earlier, Jeremy, uh, with his great Tom Noonan impersonation. Um. I think probably seeing RoboCop 2 was one of the most frightening movies ever to see on screen. Not because of the actual... No, actually because the scene in RoboCop where they rip him to shreds and like th- and make him like a scrap pile of, of like living cybernism. That was like what it was like actually coming out of the hospital being on the fucking psycho drugs that I was on. And I remember being in the theater just like, ah, just wanting to scream from the fear of like, oh, that's just like my life. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley, when you were released from the psych ward, what movie really traumatized you? Um... <laughs> were you in for like a month or only for like a couple of days? 
I wasn't ever in the psych ward. Just go with the uh, Just go with the Oh, well, what kind of comedian are you? Just say traveling sisterhood. Just say the yeah, Yaya Eric's sisterhood the of the every time. traveling <laughs> pants. Constantly <laughs> topics. Uh, let's say I had gone to the psych ward. <laughs> that traumatized me most. Mm, it's a toss-up between Scorpion King and Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. There we go. Uh, this movie also has uh, actors Dougie Doug, who plays Harlan. Uh, you know, I know him best from the movie Cool Runnings. Uh, Fucking great movie. Fuck yeah, <laughs> he's in this. Also, uh, not to forget Leon Rippey, who plays uh, the Mayor Wade. Uh, I, he's just a great character actor. He's in tons of stuff. I always look at him as a guy who looks like the uncle that would fucking cop a feel on you he has yep. that he has those that kind of energy can, can we talk about the first creepy moment as soon as the little, little kid leaves the uh tom newman character he has that look on his face like damn i'm not gonna get some child sex today yeah <laughs> damn it uh no but yeah the guy i'm sorry eric what is the name of the guy again you just said that plays the mayor tom newman. uh no that'd be leon rippy Leon, yeah, he has. Oh God, we see it later at different scenes. God, his teeth. You know what he reminds me of? He looks like the male version of the lady that played Mrs. Trenchable in Matilda. He's just... <laughs> That's Mr. Trunchbull. <laughs> Mr. Trunchbull. Oh, he's not a good-looking dude, and I love that he plays a stepdad. And I'm like, wait, someone married you? Ugh. Oh, Gosh. And then there's uh, Rick Overton, who's going to play uh, Detective, uh, who plays uh, Deputy Pete Willis in this movie, uh, who is the comic relief during the film. Uh, another another character actor. But uh, this movie starts off like any other, uh, very much similar to uh, one of our recent episodes, The Fog, very radio-centric, where a, uh, a radio personality brings us in and a radio person takes us out. So let's hear Harlan transmitting from his his trailer home uh, as he as he runs a show similar to that of a coast to coast AM uh, conspiracy theorist show, um, but with a little bit of uh, of his own touch here. He's like the Black Alex Jones. Yes, Black Alex Jones. That's that is a good that's a good catch. I would have went more with a Black George Nori, but uh, that they they all work. Uh, yeah. I'd love. Do you guys ever listen to Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie? And before that, I forget the post before that. It comes what? on at midnight. You can listen to it on Talk Radio 680, the conservative talk show station. But as soon as it hits midnight, it's conspiracy theorists and theories and flying saucers. And it is George Norrie, let me just tell you, is the most he's the kindest man in the whole world because he'll get a caller who'll be like yeah i believe that aliens are actually angels that you can see that are transdimensional and this he's like that's great karen hey if (laughs) (laughs) he goes he always goes that's really great karen hey do you think the angels would like angel food cake and like <laughs> he's George Norrie is a fucking gem because he takes all the calls very seriously and does not pander to them, but will ask the dumbest follow-up question you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, so yeah, check out Coast to Coast AM for those of you who haven't. Uh, as a comedian who drives around at the hour of midnight, I always tune in just to see what's going on. 
as they go live so what, from Hawaii at midnight. So what you're saying, Eric, is we need to somehow get the podcast on these <laughs> midnight broadcasts because those are really our listeners. Dude, one of my favorite things, I'm not lying to you, like when I go on road trips with Tommy Zimbazo, I love turning on terrestrial radio and finding what weird radio stations exist out in the boonies because you find some fucking bizarre ones. Some guy who just bought an FM station, an antenna that like broadcasts like within like two or three square miles you'll hear some wild ass shit and it is really fun no i know i grew up in Kittysville, maryland and we used to have a neighbor that the town called doc no he was not a doctor he would sit up in the woods behind our house and suck down containers of uh laughing gas until he threw up so yeah (laughs) did did he ever play did he ever play with prince in the revolution No, but he did like to prescribe barbiturates. Uh, so no, that's, that's that's rock and roll. By the way, my favorite George Norrie had to be the uh, the uh, phenomenon of people that have um, had uh, encounters with uh, spiritual mantises. Oh yeah, and and listen, when they tell him, like I said, they'll t- he'll tell the somebody will tell an erotic story about a mantis that had sex with them and George Norrie will be like hey that's great did the mantis use protection he doesn't he doesn't question the validity of the story ever he just could, he just wants to ask the the dumbest follow up question you've ever heard in your life so i i just i would be so hard to be the host on that show because i'd be like did the mantis sound anything like this Space Ghost, tell me more. Did you <laughs> enjoy my time, spiritual time with you? <laughs> so anyway, uh, it starts off with uh, Harlan uh, dropping this and bringing us in to the Eight-Legged Freaks universe. Do you know fear? Do you know what it's like to feel your heart beating in your chest so intensely that you can't even breathe? This is a story of monsters, creatures, hideous nightmares that crawl in the night. I've seen them. I've seen them in visions. And you will, too. <laughs> I, I, I know you must be saying to yourself, well, what, is this, what is this fine and enlightened brother doing in this godforsaken landscape? Well, I'll tell you. It's the truth what brought me out here. Because this is the only place in this country where I can tell you the truth and they can't get me. That's right. Right here at KFRD. Freedom Radio, the only source for the inside dope on government conspiracies, space aliens, and up-to-the-minute reports on when they plan to invade. It's a beautiful morning here in Prosperity, Arizona. And it's time for America to wake up, people! Wake up before it's too late! But no, of course you're still asleep. And I'll just say, in 2002, Harlan, played by actor Dougie Doug, was the first person to start the woke movement. I said it. I said it right there. Um, (laughs) I gotta say, though, like, honestly, for like a B, kind of B-level movie... I feel like the opening is a 10 out of 10. No, it is good. And I, 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 the things I like about this movie, it sticks to its guns of being true to a 1950s, 1960s monster movie about toxic waste uh, animals that have grown, grown to tremendous size to destroy a small town. 
um, Night of the Lepus, which was supposed to be our special episode that we were going to do live many uh, before the pandemic hit, uh, is very much in this same vein. Um, and I, I love these kind of movies. Uh, Jeremy and I used to have this game uh, on the Amiga, or was it the Commodore 64, Jeremy? What was the game that we had that was basically just like this, except it was with ants? Was it them? I, I think it was them, and it was just like long before they said the the meek would inherit the earth. And By the way, it was out. the Amiga. Yeah, it was the Amiga. Oh God, that was such a fun game, and it was it's just you go and to find the ants and that there's giant ants, and then you get put in the insane asylum and you have to escape the insane asylum. Oh, it was such a there fun. There he game. goes. That's the guy. Get him. Get him. <laughs> Stop. All right, we're uh, we're we're digressing too uh, too much. Uh, By the way, uh, the one name that really stood out in this movie had to be the producer of one of the producers, otherwise known as Dean Devlin. And if you know anything about Dean Devlin, he's done Independence Day, Universal Soldier, Stargate. To me, his name stands out like his this is his one of his signature films. Wow, that's a good uh, that's a good take there. Good good little bit of knowledge and, there. And by the way, one of the uh, <clears throat> sorry, one of the uh, M- uh, MST3K movies where he actually it does have a little cameo when he was still a smaller time producer is called City Limits, starring a, a no name lead actor, but it does have uh, what's her name from uh, Sex and the City, um, uh, Sarah Jessica uh, Parker. No, no, who's the who's the main whore? The, um, oh, Kim Cattrall. Kim Kim Cattrall. She's one of the stars in it. <laughs> and, and of course, the best part is I met two of the actors from it, and, and when when he he mentioned the film, is like, oh, you mean the movie Shitty Limits? So, <laughs> ah, got him. <laughs> So, so uh, in the opening scene, though, as he's listening to the uh, to the the pirate broadcast, a truck overturns uh, overturns dumps toxic waste into a nearby waterway, uh, where Tom Noonan goes to later investigate and grabs some crickets that he starts feeding to his spider collection. This, this, this movie is like just like one half one half tiny. Um, DNA away from being a toxic uh, Avenger slash trauma film where, oh, I almost ran over a rabbit. Oh, one of these these big barrels goes off the yeah. truck. So, And then, of course, it doesn't get found by, like, a you need a supply place, though. That is true. So uh, uh, the uh, the nosy uh, local kid goes to go visit Joshua, who's played by Tom Noonan. Uh, his bird uh, it loves horror movies. It says, I like to see dead people. I see dead people. I see deep, dead people. He's like, he loves the sixth sense. What can I say? What can I do? You know me. It's me, Tom <laughs> Noonan. I'm very excited about everything that I talk about, but in a very mellow way. And uh, back when you could hang out with underage boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back, back, Sorry. back when a we man talked over each other. Back when a man we can't could, wait to make that joke. God damn it! Back when a man could just be friends with a small child and not be considered a pederast. Um, <laughs> so uh, he uh, he's been feeding him the crickets, and it's been making the spiders really big, so big and aggressive that Tom Noonan starts to show him some of the things that they can do. Yeah, look, look how they kill. I call this an Iraq attack. 
They call this an Iraq attack, which is a, it's actually a callback to the original name of this movie. The original name was supposed to be called Iraq Attack. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, they changed the name to Eight-Legged Freaks, which you'll hear later in the movie as the titular line, which was a totally improvised uh, line by uh, the lead actor David Arquette, uh, who's playing Chris in this film. Yes. Which the reason that I heard they had to change it from Iraq attack was because uh, they were already doing that in the Middle East during this time and they thought it would go bad. Yes. Uh, you know, I've been they to. Were, the- we were, they were going to sue Hollywood for, you know, because Iraq sounds too much like Iraq. I did. I uh, I my one trip to the Middle East, uh, where I uh, I well two trips to the Middle East. My second time I was over there doing comedy, uh, performing for the troops. Shout out uh, to the troops. Uh, I uh, we were at uh, the Kuwait Kuwaiti base, and uh, I was asking about, hey, what were up with those uh, these like big shell marks on these buildings outside of the base here? He was just like, the guy was like chewing, was like, oh yeah. Back in like Desert Storm One, that's when um, that's when uh, Saddam Hussein tried to come in and fuck up Kuwait. Anyway, we came out and fucked his shit up, and that was that's that's all the army guy said about that. He was just like, that's about no, as far. He's like, we were like two miles outside of the base, like where you had to check in, and he was like, yeah, that's about as far as he got to the base though. <laughs> So uh, it was very, very funny to hear his very cocky. He's like, oh, yeah, we fucked Saddam Hussein's shit up when he tried to attack Kuwait. Um, well, that, it's funny because like a year later, they also came out with that natural disaster movie where it was like Earth Kuwait. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they also established that females are three size the time, uh, three times the size of a regular man and uh, men bring them living presents that will come in later in the movie but shortly I'm after the same way yikes and uh as the movie progresses uh uh little mikey leaves and uh he leaves tom noonan's character all alone and within seconds of him leaving oh tom noonan is completely overcome by spiders and webbed up and is super dead now you know who the, the the spiders try to bring the uh the female spiders gifts much like um that song Fergalicious. Oh yeah, explain. Yeah, they try to bring the bling and everything. It's pretty much a Fergalicious song. <laughs> okay. You don't mean bring milkshake to the yard, right? Like my milkshake brings cuz that's not Fergie. No, Fergalicious. <laughs> it's Fergalicious. I I agree. I agree. This is a very Fergalicious movie. And also, I compare the the larger spiders to our larger bottom. I do. I like Fergie because she's the only artist that I know of that pissed her pants on stage and just kept going. And I respect Hell that yeah. about her. Wow. I you don't even put me in the category. No, I, <laughs> come on. Be be realistic. Um, <laughs> 
No, Fergie pissing her pants is still one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh, I will still laugh at that. It could have just been coochie sweat. That's up there with uh, with Lenny Kravitz when his fucking leather pants broke and his huge dong fell out on stage. Those are my oh two. Oh my gosh! Have you ever seen Lenny Kravitz's dong fall out on stage? It is fucking. He goes to a he does a squat on stage with his legs wide open and the leather seam of his pants completely burst open and i'm telling you he flops out 10 inches of soft penis that is an aggressive size cock like it is just it, it is so mad there's nothing that's even embarrassing about it lenny kind of sees it, he's like oops did that happen <laughs> the minute it happened and i watched it on screen i was like i wonder if i'll ever see you again <laughs> And all I kept thinking was like, poor Lisa Bonet and her tiny body. Because <laughs> that, listen, he had to fucking, he made new holes in her at this point. There was, listen, she had fucking four assholes by the time he was done. Um, <laughs> she's just, a, she's a petite young lass. She doesn't deserve that massive the fucking. Vaginas can stretch. They're elastic. It's I... like a superhero down there. It's elastic girl in your puss. I'm just saying. It's a fucking aggressive size cock, Lenny. Uh, so we meet Chris shortly after that, who's played by uh, actor, comedian extraordinaire David Arquette. And uh, he's looking to get hired back at his old place. He gets to meet Gladys, who is uh, happy to see him. She's the fucking wise crapping cracking pistol that still is manning the mines that his father one time owned uh we also get to meet the cops pete and sam uh sam is a the very beautiful miss carrie werner and uh pete is of course the comic relief uh they go to pull the toxic waste container out of the water sam is all up in the water not realizing it's toxic waste and not moving himself after he's in toxic waste uh pete is just knee deep in it uh but then after they leave, Officer Sam has to bust Ashley, his her daughter, who's riding with a bunch of motocross weirdos across the desert. Uh, that's not a fun thing to go over, but she does indeed need to stop these evil motocross kids in uh, Arizona. So... Uh, Shortly after that, we get to see the town hall where uh, uh, Vironol wants to buy the town. Uh, that's the company that makes the toxic waste, and uh, they uh, they want to buy the McCormick Mines along with it. Uh, but as this town is dying from lack of jobs, uh, Chris goes ahead and speaks up and says, "You know what? My dad found the Aqua Mesa vein, and." Uh, that's uh i'm not selling we're gonna go find that which was a vein of gold that uh he had found 10 years earlier that had never actually been mined well actually uh, i know at one point in the movie he actually calls it the aqua mesa load and you are right eric it is gold that's what happens when you do a cum shot on my face <laughs> I had a joke written down later in my notes that was because I had the audio for it. But uh, the uh, the Aqua Mesa load, when he says that, he's like, it's the Aqua Mesa load. And I was like, that's when Aquaman busts is what that's what he calls it. Uh, <laughs> Get ready for my Aqua Mesa load. Can we, can we talk about the, the Arquette family? Yes. How obviously uh, Roseanne Arquette started her career off many years ago. 
with one of my favorite movies, uh, Up All Night, or no, I'm sorry, After Hours, was done by Scorsese. But definitely Patricia took over and she's been like riding high, even doing the show where she talks to like dead people and everything. But oh, yeah, a, a, yeah. And then of course there's the David Arquette, which is pretty much the uh, the Stephen Baldwin of the uh, of the actors oh, no, uh, the I acting family. I don't agree with that. First of all, David Arquette is a big deal. A, he was on the show Friends, so he's living off Friends money for the rest of his life. Secondly, David Arquette uh, had a great documentary. It came out in 2018 called David Arquette Won't Die, and it's based on the fact that many people believe i'm going to get wrestling nerdy here many people believe david arquette was the thing that ruined wcw because at one time they uh they actually through a storyline made david arquette champion of wcw <laughs> when he accidentally won a match at starcade um and in and it was for the promotion of a movie called ready to rumble which also came out very uh, around this time um but wrestling fans went ape shit they were like you've ruined the business this is everything that's wrong they were like we get it wrestling's fake but you had to just punch it in our face is that it's fake because you just made David Arquette and David Arquette who is a huge wrestling fan has never lived this down and his his entire life wanted to do nothing but become a legit professional wrestler and the documentary I'm not lying to you is a fucking 10 out of 10 there's a scene where he wrestles a, a, a hardcore wrestling champion named Nick Gage where at one point David Arquette gets a fucking fluorescent bulb broken over his neck and it slices his aorta open and he almost bleeds to death and has to get rushed to the hospital as he's losing pints of blood out of his neck like this and uh it's a very very beautiful scene david arquette won't die can't recommend it enough definitely check it out it is worth the watch i can't Uh, figure why courtney left him I don't know. Courtney Love. I what love I, it. What By can the I say? Way, oh, hey, listen, she met some dude that just blew her mind, you know? <laughs> hey, if, if you look hard enough, there was a investigative uh, John Stossel report on wrestling, and apparently he's in some uh, hallway talking to some fucking jacked-up wrestler. Yeah, Dr. Death. And, liter- and Dr. literally Death. beats the sh- slaps the fuck out of John Stossel. He's like, I'm just showing. He's like, this is our fucking <laughs> The guy was so, so fucking polite. Oh, my well, God. Well, the the way that uh, now I'm just getting more nerdy into wrestling, and I will move on. I promise you, Ashley, after this. But one of the things what they, they talk about is what's called kayfabe, and that's the idea that even though wrestling is fake, that all the actors and everything into it, they sell into the fact to anybody who's not part of the locker room that this is a real thing and you never break that. And part of that was that when wrestling just used to be at carnivals and stuff, they would generally make somebody who was their champion like a legit fighter, like somebody who could actually beat the shit out of most anybody they would run into. And so if anybody ever said anything, they were like, oh, you don't think our champion's real? Why don't you go in and wrestle him? And the wrestler would proceed to beat the living snot out of them, which is why even the WWE to this day will hire somebody like a Brock Lesnar, who is a UFC heavyweight champion, and make them their champion because they're like oh yeah you think wrestling's fake 
do you think you could beat up Brock Lesnar? And everybody goes, nah, I don't think I could beat up Brock Lesnar. I did not say that. I just <coughs> I just said I just couldn't do that. I was like, oh yeah, well then maybe you should maybe you should shut up. But yeah, all the wrestlers do that. It's called it's called kayfabe. You don't you don't talk to the people that are your enemies on the show. You don't get seen with them in public. And if anybody calls wrestling fake, you fight them on the spot. And uh, that is basically what kayfabe is for the most part. Uh, I'm sure I'm messing that up. And now I am banned from MCW and Comedy Mania. But it is what it is. Let's move on with the show. So. Uh, he ends up punching the mayor after all that. Meanwhile, the big spider, uh, enters, uh, one of the big spiders start to enter Pete, uh, Willis's house, the deputy, and, uh, his cat gets sucked into the wall and gets comically beat up in the drywall. So much so that you actually, it's such bad CGI that like the cat's face gets pushed into the drywall and actually shows it on the other side, which doesn't make like, it doesn't work like plaster. You can't drywall people like that. It just, it just breaks and you do lines of it and, you know, break it up with your cocaine to make more money. That's the best. It totally took me out of the movie seeing the cat's face into the, into (laughs) the um, drywall. I love that we were just talking about wrestling and then Eric's like, let me do a 10 minute rant about things that don't look real. Wrestling looks real. (laughs) Wrestling, Wrestling looks real to me. It doesn't look like a CGI's cat face, although wrestling does do a lot of dumb shit that I also appreciate. I enjoy it, and I choose to believe it's real to enjoy my entertainment. By the way, everything on the TV is fake, so shut up! Um, so I, I, I'm thinking, watching the scenes of, of the cat in the drywall, it's like, somebody actually wrote this. Somebody actually decided to actually do the CGI of this and do this scene bit by bit and i'm thinking yeah can you make it look like the cat's face got pushed through drywall and then can you make can you make it can, look can like we that? literally make it like an actual bugs bunny cartoon so hey i didn't hate it it was kind of fun and i think it fits with the rest of the movie now uh after that uh, Mama Parker arms her daughter with a taser. That'll come in ha- handy later. And then Chris brings Sam some flowers. Young Mike finds the spider playground of carnage at Tom Noonan's house as uh, he sees that they've led themselves can, to a local mine. And can as we, can, can we remind the viewers of what she says when she hands her daughter the uh, the taser? Yes, remind us, please. She says, "This will protect you from the Weinstein brothers." <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Woody Allen. So nothing can protect you from Woody Allen and his movies about molest. Uh, as soon as it gets hard, put the taser right to the dick. So. There you go. There you go. Shout outs. Um, so uh, Mike finds out that the spiders are living in the mind as we get to see Mama Spider creeping up slowly in the shadows. Oh. Oh, Mama Spider's big. Meanwhile, Chris sends the gang down to another part of the mine to go look for the vein. Chris drives home, and uh, he picks up Mike, and uh, Mike tells him about all of the fucking crazy spiders and the shafts. Of course, how are you going to believe a kid? (laughs) Good cough. (laughs) The, uh... 
The miner, though, uh, while he's down there working, goes to suck some water out of a malfunctioning pipe. Of course it's filled with spiders. They crawl out of his mouth as he gets dragged into the depths of the mine shortly after that. Uh, After that, we find that the mayor has already been storing toxic waste under the mines and his home. Wow. Yes. Oh, God. The coughing. Can I tell you, even though he muted himself, I could hear what he was doing. (laughs) Awful, even in my mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I had to have it all out. I had to have a little coughing fit there. It was like, I've been doing little ones. I was like, just have your big one so you can talk again. That would be good. Can I tell you, Jeremy, that the only thing that truly was upsetting me about what we just watched him do was the fear that it was going to be a silent throw up and the fact that you wouldn't even hear anything <laughs> but just watched a silent puke. And I was like, please don't do this. Please don't hey, make listen, the podcast. I would have, I had the wherewithal that if I was going to throw up, I was going to hit unmute just for that moment. Like if there was gurgling that was going to start to happen, I was going to do that. So, Did you continue recording when you came back from the first break? No. Just want to make sure you press to record. Yeah, I've been recording the whole time. Okay, good. I don't know. This is a this is an unneeded break. Anyway, uh, so he gets dragged off. Meanwhile, we find out the mayor has already been storing toxic waste in the mines under his home. But the uh, mayor's son Brett is heading out and uh, with his truck and his motocross bike. Brett, uh, he's he's leaving and uh, he's being ignored. Whatever. But as the spiders begin eating the ostriches outside, because the mayor has like this weird side ostrich business where he sells ostrich meat to the uh, to the uh, the local uh, mall that he also owns. And uh, it's not the hot biz, apparently. But uh, the giant birds start getting sucked into the ground before his very eyes. And uh, it's a very scary moment, even though he goes to go check it out with a shotgun. He's trying to be the next Kentucky Fried Ostrich king. I'd eat ostrich. Would you eat ostrich, uh, Ashley? Yeah, I'd try anything once. Okay, cool. So, uh... Meanwhile, uh, our radio guy checks in with uh, with a new uh, little update here. Yeah, let's talk about the probe. Let's talk about the anal probe. What is that? I mean, what's, what are they looking for? I mean, it's just wrong. I mean, I mean, Skippy didn't do anything to anybody. I mean, he doesn't deserve that. I mean, what are you going to find in a dog's... You know what I'm saying. I mean, it's just wrong. You're all ostriches with your head stuck in the dirt. I also like that uh, he has this. This is basically what every open mic comedy night is like. Is where yo, what's the deal with anal probes? Anal probes always be in your butt and stuff like that. And uh, I, I don't like it. I'm not a big fan. Uh, and that's the power of FM radio. Uh, so, meanwhile, we get to find out uh, that and. Uh, uh, our first attack, official attack on humans, finally happens as we're at the motocross event, and all of the spider horde goes to attack our friendly dirt bike douchebag. We gotta go. We gotta get out of here. They're coming. Looks like the only thing going is you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So they 
They end up chasing the kids down a uh, very conveniently placed motocross uh, downhill event uh, on the dunes there. And uh, the the spiders are just barely missing people and yoking some people off bikes. But luckily, Brett's able to escape. He jumps across the highway, and then just as he jumps across, misses an 18-wheeler that then smacks one of the eight-legged freaks in front of him. All of the spiders then swarm the uh, oil tanker, exploding it. Brett is like, fuck yeah, I killed a man but saved my own life and then uh finds that he's now being chased not by a regular spiders by but by spiders that are on flames that are really aren't really affected by just gasoline fire i have to say this was probably my favorite time to grow up in i don't know how well you guys remember that but i i loved growing up in a time where bmx had to literally be in every sort of movie that was coming out of the time, any sort of extreme sport had to be in literally every movie. Dude, X Games were a big deal back here. PlayStation Tony. One just dropped. Tony Hawk, California Games on uh, uh, on the on the on the PlayStation One. Good stuff. Good times had by all. Yeah, why did they make an Eight Legged Freaks video game on PlayStation? Wait, did they? They did. I don't it was think called, so. They did. It was called Starship Troopers, and uh, it was a very fun game. Um, it was one of my favorite scenes from The Sixth Sense where Bruce Willis had to hop on a dirt bike and kind of ride around, and but nobody could see him because he was dead. <laughs> I love that Triple X was such a popular movie, but it was <laughs> literally nothing but a bald obscure both ethnically and gendered uh <laughs> guy run around doing extreme snowboarding i was like this is great so uh brett's able to escape uh into the mines as he accidentally crashes one of the uh supports at the entrance to the mine he enters it collapses it and now he's stuck in the mines with his dirt bike cruising around but has evaded the uh, onslaught of the spiders. Now, I think an important thing to mention as we get to the end of the movie here uh, is that, keep in mind, an oil tanker blew up like 30 of these things and 15 of them survived, okay, to go and chase him. That's important when we get to the end of the movie and our conclusion here, okay? But there should be like 200 of them. There should be 200 of them, but the fire barely affected like half of them, okay? They were just like, oh, cool, fire. I'll just continue to eat and kill. Anyway, we'll go on from there. Uh, meanwhile, Gladys, the old lady who uh, runs the mines and uh, who is reunited with Chris, uh, sees her dog Bruiser get fucking uh, uh, Boston Terrier get dragged into her base, a hole in her basement because the spiders have mined their way from the mines into her basement and eaten her dog. Um, then uh, she goes in to investigate. She gets cocooned up. Uh, Chris then crawls into the hole shortly after behind her and finds the big... Uh, uh, another giant leg of a spider and goes to Sam's house immediately. The child, you're like, I need to show this kid this giant spider leg that I found so that he can use Windows 98 technology to tell me what's going on with the situation here in town. He then says that, uh, that, most of them are all alive, and uh, they're probably just getting cocooned, basically just parroting the same information that he got from Tom Newton. Why are we trusting this kid so much? I don't know. 
<laughs> I just wanted to say, unrelated, uh, that Gladys is also the old lady from Feast. Oh, fuck yeah. And she's the one that survives the whole night. Yes. Uh, yeah, I guess she does right up until the end. That is true. I, uh, yeah. So uh, upstairs, though, while uh, they're all trying to figure this out, Ashley is is in there, who's played by Scarlett Johansson, and uh, one of the big spiders crawls up into her room and starts cocooning her. She tries to grab a stun gun. That doesn't work because she's subdued. Chris then engages it with a chair and then scissors, but that's not very effective. And as they're trying to fight this thing, Mama Sam comes up and does this. And just shotguns the motherfucker in the face. Apparently, bullets highly effective against the eight-legged freaks. Uh, I, too, um, fairly regularly in my bedroom get white stuff covered all over my face. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after that, we get to see Brett riding around on his dirt bike. He finds uh, all the cocooned people down in the uh, near the queen as the queen is sucking each of them dry one by one. Um, that's fun. Uh, Pete then gets all of the guns and then heads to Sam's house at her request. Meanwhile, the local barbershop guy gets attacked as he's watching Westerns and he gets eaten by one of the spiders. Shit's really popping off around town. Pete then goes to uh, uh, get some spider blood in his mouth as he shoots one on top of his car as he's trying to rescue Sam's family and Chris. Uh, They then race through the town that is covered with jumping spiders everywhere, and they finally get to Harlan's place where they go to broadcast this across the town. Friends, our local authorities have a... Emergency message for our charming little community. This is Sheriff Sam Parker, and I have a very important announcement to make. Pete, turn on the radio. This is not a prank or one of Harlan's crazy stunts. We have a crisis situation on our hands. Our town is being overrun by giant spiders. Now, believe me, I know how this sounds, but you must trust me on this. I want everyone to arm themselves immediately. Um, so everybody goes, he tells everybody to arm themselves. Meanwhile, spiders descend upon the uh, trailer. She also tells everyone to go to the Pleasant Mall where the town folk will make their final stand at Prosperity Mall. Um, this, is the, this is the saddest part of the movie at all, of all because... Everybody's like, we're just a small town full of rednecks. We don't have any guns. <laughs> so uh, the giant tarantula eventually flips over the trailer where they're able to escape and they're get it, they get in the car and are able to flee. Meanwhile, the townsfolk who finally just look outside to the very obvious infestation that's going on around them as spiders wipe out a local diner of people. One patron luckily makes it out who oddly looks like Todd McFarland, but is not. I did look it up uh, as he's able to use a ladder to go across one of the places where spiders are just dragging people into the underground and a fucking horrible death. Um, Right after that, they're driving around with Harland and we get to hear this line right here. 
No, 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 no. I'm telling you. There's no way that you're telling me that that thing back there is from Earth. All right. They're spiders from Mars. You happy? Which is, of course, a reference to Jeremy? Faith No More. Hell yeah. Faith No More. Okay. Uh, of course, a reference to Ziggy Stardust and the uh, the spiders from Mars. There we go. Um, what about the Faith No More song? I mean, tell us about the Faith No More song. I was going with the obvious of Ziggy oh, Stardust no, and, it, the, and the spiders, spiders from Mars. It's something else from Mars. It was a nice choice. Um, meanwhile, uh, the townsfolk all flee to the mall as the mayor is delighted, thinking that his ostrich burger joint is about to make a killing. But he then sees the army of monsters coming behind them and is quickly shocked. Sam quickly ducks under a metal gate inside as he's as she's blasting her way to the very last moment as most of the townsfolk that don't get eaten make it inside. Um, now, the townsfolk are scared and bewildered. Chris says, let's do the smart thing here. Let's listen to a child tell us what he knows about spiders. And they do just that. So uh, they are uh, attracted to vibrations. This doesn't come into play. We need to be quiet and still. Nobody does that at all. And then they need to call for help. Luckily, help uh, could be had with the cell phone, but they need to access the antenna on the roof to hopefully get the right signal to blast it over the mountains. So there's a plan. There's a brief montage where they're arming up to fight spiders. Harlan and Chris then make their way to the roof as the big tarantula from earlier starts breaking down the metal door to get into the mall. But uh, Chris is then climbing the antenna and he finally gets just enough signal to say this. Chris McCormick, I know how this is going to sound, but you have to believe me. I swear it's the truth. Our town is being attacked by giant spiders. We need military intervention. This is emergency services, sir. Not dialogue. This is not a correct call. Hanging up on me. Don't hang up on me, lady. Please, please! It's an invasion! They're here! They're here! They're right! God! Which is, of course, a wonderful callback to Invasion of the Body Snatchers there. They're really paying a lot of homage as we go here. Meanwhile, the mayor is uh, saying, fuck this. I'm getting in the mines and getting the fuck out of here. He goes to his secret passageway to get out. Um, can, can we can we talk about the moment of the film when they just start dropping um, sound effects of the spiders kind of sounding like gremlins or something or uh, Michael Winslow? <laughs> yes, there is a lot of Winslow-esque and weird sounds that happen. Like all of a sudden they're sounding like gremlins and I'm like, okay, I'm you're you're trying to sound like another movie. I get it. I, so I secretly kinda love it though, like whenever one of them gets run over or shy <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they could have they could have gone all out crazy, wacky, funny about everything, but it's like they're trying to hold back so it's almost like a real movie. So I don't know. I always take David Arquette roles very seriously, so I don't. I didn't see the connotation. Oh, like his movie about wrestling. So yeah, Ready yeah. to Rumble. Are you talking about the yes. Ready to Rumble? Yes, Ready to Rumble. Yeah. Are I you mean, talking about nobody ever talks about the fact that his film C Spot Run. Is in the same vein as Marley. Are you? Well, I think he. I think he was best in Bridges Over Madison County. Are you so. telling me I'm not taking Officer Dewey from Scream One and Two <laughs> completely seriously? Okay, fair enough. 
That's fair. If only he could have been cast as like Hannibal Lecter in Hannibal Lecter 4. <laughs> so, so as the townsfolk await the onslaught coming through the door, they've slipped into full Mad Max world. Like one guy's wearing a Jason mask with a fucking uh, chainsaw. I like how they've totally just gone down the rabbit hole of like we, we now live in carnage times. Uh, but... Uh, as the big one uh, rips open the door, all of the medium-sized spiders come flooding in, and they all shoot wildly as they're forced into the basement. There is a pretty cool scene with all this as uh, Officer uh, Deputy Pete Willis gets uh, gets into one of those uh, shops and pulls down the metal gate and then takes the chainsaw and just cuts off all the spider legs. Uh, I like <laughs> I love that, and it made me want King Crab Legs so bad. Um yeah. So uh, then uh, as that's happening, we get to hear David Arquette on top of the rooftop drop this line. Get back! Late there you go. The titular line of the movie. Uh, that was an improvised uh, uh, thing by the great David Arquette. So let's not like shit on all of his great acting chops totally here. Uh, he did come up with the title of this movie as an improvised line. So Although I, a rack attack is much better for the name of the, of the video game. Iraq attack. So uh, Harlan then goes and sacrifices himself as a final stand and jumps off of the roof. But luckily, he just lands in bushes and meets up with Officer Pete, and they proceed to run instead of fight a horde of spiders. Uh, down in the mines, though. Oh, and then uh, Chris has to zip line off of the top of the antenna and then just conveniently goes into an air duct that takes him down to where the rest of the uh, townsfolk are as they're making their way into the mines now to escape the onslaught. Uh, now, down in the mines, Brett sees his dad, uh, the mayor, um, as they meet up and they're like, oh shit, there's spiders, but the mayor gets fucking cocooned and almost eaten and dragged off. Brett's then goes to meet up with the mall folk and then uh uses uh they use a forklift to uh uh he uses a forklift to break into the mall so he can meet up with them very very uh intuitive on his part which is weird why is there a forklift in a mine i i don't know it seems like it should be on the other side uh, whatever i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain about it uh they then uh come up with this great plan as david arquette is like you just follow the power lines it'll take you to generator get you out of here or you could be following it the wrong way to the end of the power lines you fucking dumb anyway i'm not going to complain about again i'm not going to complain about the consistencies of this movie i'm going to go on with my day uh but he does note that there's a ton of methane gas because he can smell it. We can't use any guns in here because it'll blow the whole place up. Now, keep in mind, it'll blow the whole place up when we realize that fire had very little effect on these beings. Anyway, the special security janitor, Norman, gets cocooned up as he finds uh, one place as they're getting close to the queen there. Um, they take a crossbow and take that thing out, and then the group eventually finds Weed, the mayor, who's cocooned up and cuts him down. Chris finally uh, finds Gladys as she finds the Aqua Mesa load. Right behind you. Aqua Mesa load. Oh, 
as now. Uh, How did we miss this giant vein of gold that was just sitting there all the time? Why did we just never? Uh, why did we never pay attention to this giant glowing part that's worth millions of dollars down here? How could we're we ever just, forget about this? We're just this? horrible miners. We don't notice these things. <laughs> um, guys, <laughs> oh, I kind of figured you'd. You'd miss this. I know this is a tough allegory, um, but this movie is actually an allegory for men trying to find the clitoris. <laughs> you want to talk about mythology, whatever. <laughs> literally been here the whole time. How have we kept searching for it and wasted an hour and a half of our lives? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I've but- been like rubbing your belly button. I've been rubbing the how many parts of your ass and like i don't know where the clitoris is i'll never find it are you gonna come yet stop but you got all the lint out that's very nice of you uh (laughs) so uh the but the discovery is short-lived as the queen is there and uh to ruin gladys and chris's party um but he uses cologne to easily stop her i guess it gets the smell off or whatever it doesn't matter they hop on a dirt bike to escape out of there he rigs up a bit of matches in an empty light socket so that when the power gets turned on it'll blow the methane gas as they leave the town folks start up the power and next thing you know they're dirt biking as the entire place explodes around them they escape blowing up all of the eight-legged freaks and leaving them pretty much unscathed as the mine of spiders is blown to bits which is a thing that doesn't make sense at all it also just collapses the entire mall in front of everyone's eyes and uh a lot of a lot of people compare this to the end of uh, Jedi, where Lando is escaping from the Death Star while it's while it's blowing up. That is true. I I have said that multiple times. Also, the mayor is very upset. He's like, I hope I hope uh, uh, insurance covers this, uh, which is a fun moment. But everything seems to be the day is won. Everything's going well. The cavalry finally shows up super late. Everyone's safe, and our DJ plays us off as the end of the movie continues here. And that, my friends, is the story of how the aliens attacked our sleepy little town. And to this day, people refuse to believe the truth about what happened here. I mean, they would lead you to believe that I would embellish this story, that I would make it up, but we know the truth. Oh, yeah, uh, two two things I forgot to tell you. One... They never did get that probe near me. And two, as far as Chris McCormick reopening the gold mines and putting everyone back to work, well, that, my friends, is another story altogether. Jeremy, give us your final thoughts on Eight-Legged Freaks. This is probably one of the best pederast movies for a young Scarlett Johansson. Probably just just one of the sexiest of, you know, preteens 
or almost 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 preteen. Um, and, and I'm trying to think of any any sexier uh, um, uh, underage girl that's ever been in a film. <laughs> I love. I don't need. I mean, are you going to go Jodie Foster? I mean, she was sexy enough that somebody actually tried yeah, to assassinate well, a president for her. Yeah, yeah, probably Jodie Foster. Yeah, she's definitely. Well, yeah. thank you for your pig commentary, Ashley. What do you have? Well, I'm the one who picked the movie, uh, so obviously it has a fun, special place uh, in my heart. I, I look forward to hopefully combining another uh, spider-based horror movie with the boys' favorite topic, wrestling. So maybe. We should- <laughs> <laughs> I will say, as far as spider horror movies go, um, it's it's definitely my second favorite behind Arachnophobia. So agreed. Arachnophobia is probably the best in in my eyes. If for no other reason than the great part of John Goodman in that movie, who just fucking crushes his role as the ex. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay behind Spider Man in three. Spider Man three. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, Because of Venom, so that makes sense. I like that. Um, but no, I liked Eight-Legged Freaks. I thought it was a fun movie. Um, I liked, you know what, as, as I've grown older in my life, I like a David Arquette. I'm glad you brought this to the forefront, Ashley. Thank you very much. Good pick this You're week. Welcome. Good pick. Good I pick. remember when this movie came out, and I was thinking, man, I really never, ever want to have to see this movie. <laughs> Well, get ready for next week as we break down Ready to Rumble. Uh, Very excited about that. And uh, Ashley, where can people find you at, love? You can find me online at Ashley Pontius Laughs, and you can see me uh, Thursday, May 20th at the DMV Comedy Wars and May 22nd at the uh, PA Ren Fair. Ooh, a lot of big shows for you. Nice. Um, you're listening to this right now live uh, at Magooby's Joke House. The 30th of this month, it's a Sunday night. You're off for, I guess, was it Labor Day or Memorial Day? It's one of Jeremy died of COVID. He was 150 pounds overweight. And he liked to drink like a fish. He would like to be remembered. All the crazy, funny songs he did. But we also have to remember. What a bastard racist he was Jeremy died of COVID So let's say oh yeah That bastard dead You know he liked to kill kittens in rivers Jeremy died of COVID COVID. He was a fat bastard And he was lazy, a piece of shit. 
Let's have a chorus for him and say, oh yeah. But you know you don't want to be 